I hope you all enjoyed that moment of silence as we commemorate the life and times of Andy Rooney. Uh, it's November 14th, it's a Monday night, and you know what that means. It's time for 10 dozen minutes of Jick and Mr. Skullhead with Jick and Mr. Skullhead. Uh, I'm Mr. Skullhead. Uh, Jick is joining us now. Hello, Mr. Skullhead. Hello, Mr. Jick. How you doing, sir? You got a new, uh, you got a new picture on your Skype and you're growing a beard. I am, uh, uh, apparently I'm following a trend that I didn't know about and just let my beard grow out for like a week and then when I went to shave, instead of shaving all of it, I just shaved the neck part of it. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, oh dude, you're doing No Shave November. It's like, oh, okay. I guess mm-hmm. I am. I'm aware of some people doing Movember where they, uh, where they grow out a mustache to raise awareness for prostate cancer. Huh. I'm, uh, I'm going to grow the mustache for prostate cancer and the beard for uh, taint cancer. Okay. Uh, grundaloma. Mm-hmm. Um, Batchkemia. I can't think of any other words. But yeah. Uh, I thought, ba- so according to Riff, the batch is the part, like, where your where the bulk of your pubes grow. It's like the overjunk. Huh. See, I would think the batch was just straight up testicles. Yeah, I thought that I always thought of the batch as the junk, like yeah. all of it, like collectively. Junk and batch being synonymous. Because it is a batch of three things. Right. How many do you need to make a batch? I don't know. How many are in a batch? I always thought of a I batch. I mean, I know that all of the critical parts of a, an MS DOS batch file were like the dick, which was the first part of the file name, and then the dot, which was one of the balls, and then bat, which was the second ball. Your uh, balls are strikingly different sizes, aren't they? And shapes, yeah, it's weird. Also, one of them is a bat. One of them shaped like a bat. Like a baseball bat or like an animal? Yeah, like an actual... One of them actually is an animal curled up inside my nutsack. A live bat. I left it open. I left it open one night when I went to sleep, and uh, the next day there was a bat sleeping in there. Yeah, that'll teach you, kids. you got to lock up your nutsack before you go to bed. Or is it... Uh, yeah, this this got off to a this got off to quite a highbrow start. Here we go. It's a high energy been, start, though. You know, it's been a it's been a low energy kind of day, so a high energy start is fine. Just fine. I uh, got up and conspicuously failed to ride my bike to work like I intended to, and then I realized that because of that, I didn't have my backpack with me to do the work that I intended to do. So I uh, came home. That sounds uh, sounds very exciting. Yeah. How was your week? Uh, you know, the week. We got a uh, comic book in the printers this past week. That's good. They'll be at my door on the 22nd. Okay. We, uh, because of C.D. Moyer's wizardry, we were able to send out the PDF to everybody, so everybody who pledged to the Kickstarter already has a digital copy of the book. Seen some pretty good feedback about that so far, and why wouldn't yep. it be? People seem to enjoy it, which is good. Have you looked at it? Because I don't think you've seen the whole thing. I have. I have not uh, done what I would characterize as sitting down and reading it, but I definitely like paged through the entire thing and looked at all the art. Mm. I mean, I read it. I read it years ago. Yeah, you read the script back in the day. Back in the day when those references were still relevant. Oh, hey! Uh, actually, they weren't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had written it back when Lolcats and Rickrolls were brand new, yeah. You had to to stick to the ones that that are going to stick around. I would call them classic memes. 
Yeah. The, the, me, the fading memes were, were given their given their due. They were given their comeuppance. Exactly. Although I would say all your bases for the ages. Uh, do you think? Yeah, I guess new people aren't really discovering all your base, are they? Yeah, I don't know. I Somebody sent me an email about having set me up the bomb. That might have been you. Yeah. I don't remember what context it was in. Might have also been Nightmare. Happy birthday, Nightmare, by the way. Happy birthday to Nightmare. Everybody listening to this live, uh, send a Nightmare a birthday barbed wire fence. Yeah. Um, so I went to uh, I went to uh, Keldar and Killer Zombie Monkey's wedding uh, down in Tucson. How did that go? Pretty good. It was a spooky Halloween themed wedding. Uh, he was a vampire. Uh, she was a uh, she was a zombie. And uh, R. Taylor, pretty convincing werewolf as the werewolf preacher. Did he need a costume for that? Because he's a pretty furry dude. Yeah, he he didn't. He just uh, strategically exposed parts of himself to to be a werewolf. Right. He had some strap, some straps, and like a trench coat kind of thing. Huh. And he grew a lot of face face hair. Um, but it was good. There were there were uh, there were little goodie bags of uh, I'm assuming discounted Halloween candy uh, for mm-hmm. everybody's uh, for everybody's party favor. Their wedding favor, for everyone's uh, dowry, I think they call that. Yeah. Um, and there, yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of ghoulish uh, ghoulish treats. Uh, there was a crazy uh, like a bat cake. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. Um, which was awesome. Uh, there was a, a coffin, an inflatable coffin uh, filled with ice and potato salad. Huh. Uh, that was spooky. We did a little. Uh, we did a little bachelor party, going out and and running around. Uh, uh, the previous day had had. Uh, well, I didn't eat. I had eaten before the dinner portion of the bachelor party because I'm a fool. Hmm. Um, hung out with my mom a little bit. Not at the bachelor party because she ain't no bachelor. No, not at all. I, uh, I told this story on Advice Hot Dog, but I, but I think I can share it with you. I saw, an, I saw an extremely awkward and unsuccessful pickup attempt while we were out at, a, out at one of the bars that we were at. Oh, yeah. uh, there was this group of girls sitting at a table, and then this guy sitting up at a table by himself. And uh, I didn't hear them uh, beforehand, and I didn't hear any of what happened afterward, but the guy said, You girls are talking about space, huh? What's your favorite planet? I don't know how you would react to that exactly. I mean, it's pretty clear that everybody's favorite planet should be Earth, right? Because it's I like, suppose. if you're all like Mars, the only proper response is, well, why don't you go back to Mars then, yeah, red yeah. man? Because um, that's what you call guys from Mars, right? Or no, they're green men. They're green men. No, Light. green. They're green, but they're on a red planet. So does that make them just look kind of gray? Yeah, to, to me, it makes them invisible. It's, the, it's a perfect camouflage. That's what they're, they're trying to breed uh, red-green colorblindness into an entire population of uh, men, of Earthmen, so that they can, uh, wait, I was going to say so that they can invade. That doesn't make any sense. So that they can be safe from our ultimate invasion. Right, right. They started this, like, Bene Gesserit-style plan. By the time we, by the time we get a military that's capable of, of uh, you know, sort of plausibly invading Mars, every male will be red-green colorblind. I know a lot of uh, red-green colorblind dudes. 
and it's it's a fairly it's a fairly high percentage of people. It's pretty common. Um, so yeah, did that did that uh, played a lot of uh, played a lot of that Skyrim. <coughs> but <coughs> you all right there? <coughs> did you swallow wrong? <coughs> Are you going to live, Mr. Skullhead? Huh, I'll knock twice for yes and once for no. Yeah, okay. that was fun. Uh, how was that, uh, that there Skyrim? That's alright. It's alright. Did you play any of the previous games? No, I have uh, Elder Scrolls. I have no idea. Yeah. Did you play? Did you ever play any Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas? Uh, nope. It was much more akin to those than to the... Well, maybe not. I don't really remember much about... Uh, I only played maybe an hour of Morrowind and maybe six hours of Oblivion, so, and that was a long time ago. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. It's a pretty well realized fantasy world with a lot of spiders to hit with swords. Huh. I saw it? an article posted today that was the top ten mods for uh, Skyrim so far, and one of them was <clears throat> one uh, for arachnophobes that turns all the spiders into bears. <laughs> I was thinking, like, <coughs> clowns or something. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, an actual spider with a clown's face. That sounds Did, good. Uh, I forget the ending in the in the television, in the miniseries of It. Was the, was the spider at the end at all clowny? I don't think so, no. Is that like Tim Curry's head? No, or you're thinking of the end Curry's of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Adrian Curry's head on a giant spider. Right. Am I thinking of the right person? Is Adrian Curry the girl from America's Next Top Model? She is. <laughs> okay, so it was her head on that spider. Yes. You need her head on that spider. You want her head on that. Sp yeah. yeah. So uh, how you been? Other than the other than that little lung difficulty you just encountered. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, you know, we had a big gay, went to a big gay birthday party on Saturday. That was fun. Met some people I haven't met before. It's a couple of, it was the birthday of one of the girls that Jess went to high school with who watches our kiddo from time to time. So her 13th birthday. Exactly. And uh, we were trying to, like, actually be friends with them instead of just calling them whenever we need babysitting. So we went to this party where the only people we knew were those were the this girl and her girlfriend, and it was fun. We had a big do you gay think, cake. Do you think if you're doing that in that context that it's at all legitimate? Yeah. Like if the if the only reason you want to hang out with somebody is so that you can not feel guilty about only ha only calling them when you need them to babysit, like. No, I is would that, say that our intention that is always to hang out with them as friends as often or more often than we have them babysit because we like them and want to be their friends. I see. <clears throat> so I guess it, I guess you can consciously acknowledge, ah, uh, I feel like I'm kind of taking advantage of these people. I should do more of the uh, more of the, the sort of neutral behavior and less of the taking behavior. Yeah, or it could just be, I like hanging out with these people and... This is a good excuse to do that, and they come few and far between. Yeah, you know, they're busy. Fun. We're busy. It was fun. There was a big gay cake. It was a seven-layer cake that uh, each layer was dyed a color of the big gay rainbow. Uh, like a like, uh, is there actually a big gay rainbow? Or was the, the regular rainbow? Okay. 
The reading rainbow. His reading is gay. How do you feel about meeting new people these days? I don't mind it if they're pre-screened. Okay. Like, these two women are super cool and nerdy. So, like, you go to a tea party meeting where you know everyone is going to be awesome. Exactly. I would go to a tea party. Because then I would know everybody there where it was either five years old or theater kids doing something precious. Or a, a teddy bear. Right. It's easy to... I find it pretty easy to meet teddy bears these days. Not not like to find them to meet, but once I've found them, they're easy to meet. Not like all of these meet people teddy bears were... sounds like a Brad Pitt movie from the late 90s. Teddy what? Meet teddy bears. Sounds oh. like a Brad Pitt movie from the late 90s. Good old teddy bears. Yeah, the, uh, the, you know, they were cool people and funny and nerdy. So it was just like meeting people that I probably would have already been friends with. So, yes, yeah, yeah, fine, it's cool. Do you have trouble? It's, it's weird meeting new people. Uh, no, no, I just you, you like I I constantly find myself struggling with like not really having enough time to, uh, in a guilt-free way, maintain relationships with the people that I already know and uh, like. Uh-huh. You know, it's like I feel like I've already become that guy, and I don't know. You know, there's not like something super wrong with being that guy because Roy has kind of always been that guy, right? Like a lot more people want to spend time with Roy than there is time in Roy's day, yeah. right? And like Roy's a good guy, but Roy is also a guy that like you know some of his friends he hasn't talked to in a year, right? Yeah. Um, I tend to, and, be I, that and I have yeah. found myself becoming that guy. It's very easy for me to just get arbitrarily busy to to fill up whatever time there is, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that, and so yeah, it's a little weird. Like, like right. it, it, it's weird to me. I mean, I guess I have met people in the last few years that I've that I have then regularly hung out with. But yeah, I don't know. It, it is always in the context of something that I'm already doing. Right? Huh. Like, I don't. It's it's been a long time since I went to a party where I didn't know a lot of people. So having tolerance, my tolerance for that goes down and down. I mean, partially because I hate having that "what do you do" conversation. Right. So I'm really uncomfortable having to like explain that to a whole bunch of people all in one night. I think that that's another primary example of how the people we met at that party were just kind of the cool, laid back, our sort of folks. That I have no idea still what any of them do, and they have no idea what I do. We just spend the entire evening like. Talking about nerdy shit and trading quips. And spanking so. each other and having sex. Well, it was a birthday party. Yeah. There are gonna be spankings. Were there actual spankings at this birthday party? There were indeed. I mean, we were, we were at the home of uh, polyamorous bisexual vegans. So huh. there was gonna be no uh, eating of meat and probably some shenanigans. <laughs> no eating of meat, failure to spank, or fucking only one person. Exactly. There wasn't any yeah. fucking. Not while we the were The first married. rule of vegan polyamory club. If it's your first night, you have to fuck a whole bunch of people. <laughs> Unless you eat meat, because then your semen tastes terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the meat is, is pineapple-fed beef. <laughs> pineapple-fed beef. Yeah. This is a cow that we raised on a diet of 100% pineapples. Solely to let you get blowjobs from vegans. Yep. Get on that, science. I don't know that that's science so much as husbandry, right? 
Uh, well, husbandry. although does hus- I guess husbandry kind of implies the breeding, uh, livestockery, hostlery. What, what does a hostler do? That's the guy that's in charge of feeding, feeding fruit to cows, right? I think the hostler is the guy who's in charge of torturing people in cheap European hotels. Oh right, right. I guess a hostler is a horse keeper, right? Oh right, okay. But, yeah. Um. Huh. Hostel and ho- hostlery. <laughs> hostlery. You call it a hostlery. Animaling. You call it a livery. Oh, because they live. The animals live there for a while. <laughs> uh, well, it's just because it sort of smells like liver. Because that's what they feed a lot of the animals. They feed them their own liver. It smells kind of livery in here. Yeah, it's the the Sisyphus stables. <laughs> Wait, was it Sisyphus? Prometheus, I think. Oh, Prometheus, okay. Sisyphus was the rock? Yeah. Sisyphus was the rock in the movie about uh, Dante's Inferno. Okay. It was actually called Dante's Peak, but... Sisyphus was played by Dwayne Johnson. Um, Exactly. Dante's Peak was the the one that wasn't Volcano. Right. It was about a volcano, but it wasn't called Volcano. And it had the doctor from uh, The Lawnmower Man in it. Right. And it turns out in the end that the volcano was just virtual reality. Yeah. It turns out in the end that the volcano was actually just one of the split personalities of a guy with multiple personality disorder. Nice. <clears throat> I'm still uh, what was that movie? You're talking about the one with... Uh, John Cusack. Yeah, John Cusack. Where he's Spoiler in alert. The terrible movie Identity ends with... Nope. Uh, all of these unexplained occurrences and mysteries are because all of the characters are really inside the mind of a sociopath. Sorry for wasting your time. This whole hotel was inside a snow globe. Exactly. On the sociopath's desk. Here's a question. Does a dumb ending uh, diminish the value of a story? For me, it's almost fatal every time. Yeah. Huh. I mean... I, I guess, like, that to me seems to indicate a, like, journey rather than destination approach to a story that I that I think is, is seductive, and it's probably the way a lot of people do it. I just, I don't know if, like, the later Harry Potter books were really boring, but they did not, to me, diminish the joy I got from, like, the third one and, to a lesser extent, the fourth one. Right. And, you know, I mean, some people could probably argue it's because they're not actually bad. <clears throat> I mean, I've certainly argued that about the Dark Tower series. Like, I did, I thought that that ended great. Um, yeah, yeah. But I did not really like. The, I, I can't. It isn't that I didn't like the later Harry Potter books or the later, uh, or the later Dark Tower books. It's that I don't really remember anything that happened in them. Right. You know, they, they just didn't, they didn't hit the same notes. You should, yeah. you should watch the rest of the Harry Potter movies. Should I? Yeah. I know that um, The Golden Compass... No, The Goblet of Fire... The Golden Compass was pretty bad. The Goblet of Fire wasn't that great, but the rest of them managed to pull out the... Especially in Half-Blood Prince and Order of the Phoenix, actually pull out the important stuff and get rid of just the time-killing stuff. Yeah, I think it's worth it. They're worth checking out. I mean, I guess there's a lot of Stephen King books, though, 
did you like or dislike the Tommy Knockers? That's one that I barely remember anything about. Hmm. It's okay. It's true, and like in in Stephen King books, the ending is never bad enough to make me say, "Well, fuck that book." But there are movies that just the way it ends just kind of obliterates any good feeling that I had towards the movie. I often find myself about an hour and a half into a movie just sort of wishing that it would end. Like, having enjoyed myself, but, like, looking forward to when it's over and I can go pee or whatever. Right. Uh, you know? And and I think in a lot of cases, like, it just doesn't bother me if the movie's... if the ending of the movie is dumb. <laughs> like, if it was, a, if it was a, you know, either a good romp or, like... You know, I, like... My defense of Stephen King's failure to be able to end his books is, and, and sort of everything in, like epic and, and sweeping is that I think that there isn't a way to, to satisfyingly end a story like that. Hmm. You know, like The Stand, I don't, I, I, it's like bullshit, like nearly literal deus ex machina. Right. Uh, but like, what else were you going to do? You know, like I, I, I just, it was, it, it's too, it's too sweeping for any discrete narrative event. And I guess we talk about this about video games a lot. Like, I'm a lot more of a, like, backstory and setting enthusiast than I am actual story arc. Uh-huh. I wonder if that's because of my uh, near Asperger's level of lack of empathy for my fellow man. Nah. Uh-huh. Like, I have no idea what you must feel like on the other end of this conversation. Um, I'm intrigued. Similar, similar to me, but with a larger dick. Exactly. Hey, thanks. See, that's what, that's what you should have said. Yeah. Um, now I feel like a guy so who I... just got told. Yeah. No, I think, well, with Stephen King, I think a lot of them, by the end, he tips all the way into, like, crazy, batshit, metaphoric alternate universe thing so if you spend the whole book going oh my god what is this ancient thing that looks like a clown and feeds on children and how the hell do you defeat it and I think probably he goes okay well is it the power of imagination that defeats it and what is it and he ends up with like well it's a creature of story and the origin of story is the like that old legend that this Indian tribe had about biting the tongue of the abominable snowman and telling jokes and so this this will work this is going to be awesome and it just turns out kind of ridiculous mm-hmm. but I think he's trying yeah, yeah I don't know I, I, like, I like the worlds that he makes a lot more than I like the things that happen in those worlds <laughs> I think is, is the long and short of it like I always wanted there to be like a video game set in the Dark Tower universe hmm just to be able to poke around, you know? Like, that's what I'm interested in. And that's what that's why, like, a game like Skyrim is great. Like, Fallout 3 was a little better. So there's this weird disparity, and, and you know, again, this isn't exactly the right podcast for this, but, you, you know, uh, I'm curious as to what you think. Like, Fallout, that series is based on a sort of, like, alternate future based on an alternate history starting mm-hmm. in, like, the 50s, right? Yeah. It's like... It's like if nuclear power took off in the 50s and then in the 2070s there's a war that destroys everything. Like how it, it was like if our future actually looked like the future that they envisioned in the 50s and then was post-apocalypse. And so you wander around and you go into things that are like a car factory or like a 
place where they made tricycles or like a restaurant or something and you know what all of these things are and they are you know the, the, the Fallout games all take place in like the in real world locations right like Fallout 3 is yeah. in the ruins of Washington DC so there's all kinds of just sort of cool stuff that's a result of taking things that are real and putting a different spin on them and it was just really a lot of fun to, to look around and like read everything whereas the Elder Scrolls games take place in this world with like thousands of years or thousands of generations of history that they just made up. Right. And it is impossible for me to get invested in any of the like books that are laying around. There are tons of them, but I pick them up because reading them might give me a skill up or unlock a new location on my map and something to go find rather than because I'm because I'm interested in the text that's in them because they're just really like it's like a series of appendices from Tolkien. Huh. Um, you know, but Tolkien is a good example of like, I think the world is more interesting as a character than the characters in a lot of ways. I mean, except for, you know, maybe Gandalf. I think even if your world, even if your characters are really interesting, if you do a good job world building, you're always going to wish that you had more time to poke around in the world. Like, uh, the Kingkiller Chronicles, the... The uh, Name of the Wind and Wise Man's Fear, which I just finished the second one of those. The world and the rules that govern it and the gigantic history that's hinted at. And I mean, there are excerpts in that from like philosophy texts and religious texts and all kinds of stuff. And even though the main character is kind of fucking awesome and the stuff that's happening is really interesting, I just kind of want like 12 books about the world that don't have anything to do with that guy. What if they would be any good, though? I mean, I wonder. Yeah, because then they would be the Silmarillion, and they would be super boring. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, or they would be like, you know, the, it seemed like, say, Magic: The Gathering had a really interesting mythology and backstory until they made five thousand additional things that had to point to mythology and backstory, and then it was like, oh wait, I see, you were just making all of this up one thing at a time, right? And. There wasn't, you know, we we get into these. I, I mean, it's, I, I say we get into these arguments, but it wasn't really an argument, and this happened once, where you and Hot Stuff and I were having a conversation, trying to figure out like how much, how much of this backstory stuff do we actually need to decide before we start writing these things? Right. And I think part of the trick is just being sparing enough in the number of specifics that you point to that it implies the existence of a much cooler world than you could actually write. Right. There's probably a. I mean, I think that's certainly true of, of of the world of the Dark Tower. Sure. It seems like um, he made yeah. a lot of those decisions on the fly. Hinting at infinite possibilities is a lot more interesting than listing infinite possibilities, right? right? Because this particular in, in, in set, list of this particular book, it seems like he wrote out a whole lot of it to begin with. It really does seem like this guy sat down and built at least a, a little bit of like these are the poets that everybody knows these are the you know here are the ages that happened in this world and here's a little bit of the history and it doesn't seem like he just like said okay i need a um, philosopher quote here i'll just make up a name and throw in a quote right but when you have six years to do that like to plan your novel before you write it then you do that but for, yeah, and when it is a, when it is a coherent thing. whole that you you're not a, you know imagining working imagining that with with KOL is very difficult because like 
we have to produce things on a regular basis, right? And right. and so you, you have to worry about stepping on old tropes, whereas if these had just been in a product that was in development for the last three years and later on in Chapter 12, we decide, oh, it would be better if we could contradict this, then it's a lot easier to just go retcon it before anyone has seen it. Yeah. You know, I think the right approach is like, maybe like a museum display. Like, imagine the history of a world as presented to someone with a fairly short attention span or presented to someone in a list of a hundred interesting things as opposed to like a novel about the history of the world. Right. Right. Like you've got a timeline, you've got some, some things that determine like, you know, maybe if you want historical figures, you figure out which of them were contemporary. Um, you, yeah, I don't know. You just kind of bullet point it, right? You, you do like a timeline with a paragraph about each thing you're going to mention a sentence about. Yeah. Maybe there was a pivotal battle in some war, but you don't have to list all of the battles of that war. You could just make up the ancillary ones as needed. Yeah, I'm kind of a fan of just busting forth. It helps, like, with Kingdom, it helps to have the KOL wiki where we can just look and go, hey, what have we said about this thing so far? And like, okay, well, let's come up with some other stuff. Do they do much lore stuff in the KOL wiki? They have all of the text that we've ever put in the game, so, you know. Well, right, but I mean, is there is there, like, a KOL wiki page about, like, everything we know about the pork elves? For instance, I don't. Or think so. is it just pieced together from the things? Because I mean, that's I never really look at the wiki for that kind of stuff. I like if I feel like it's important, I ask you. <laughs> right, and then I go look or, at the wiki. Okay, sure. All right. Well, so then I'm delegating. Yeah, like if you asked me, well, like when I was doing the pork elf stuff for the the content item of the month, I went and looked at the wiki to see what all we had said about them and where they went. Because just, even though our game is not really a consistent world, it would be a bummer to have somebody go, uh, excuse me, the uh, Pork Elves, actually, uh, you said that they sailed off beyond the horizon uh, to an island, and you named the island specifically, so they couldn't possibly be on the moon. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, you know, it's not that we can't change those things, but it's also nice to, like... It is nice in making narrative decisions to have some of your narrative decisions made for you from then on out. Right. You know, it, it's just, it is a lot easier to work within a structure than in a vacuum. You know, and I mean, it, it sucks in a lot of ways to, to be chained up by things that you've done in the past, but it also forces you to, forces you to flex your creative muscles. Okay. I do feel kind of bad for J.K. Rowling, because... She was writing her books and getting feedback on them as they were published and didn't have the opportunity to, like, go back to the first one and change the rules of Quidditch. Yep. Shit like that. Like, all she could do was kind of damage control in the present. Yeah. That's a shame. But I think, like, it would have probably been a better series if she hadn't tried to fix any of that stuff either. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that before, I think. The, the, the fact that that was written... There, there are just paragraphs that you know were written to shut some internet asshole up. Right. 
And it's like now, you know, like in 50 years, these books are still going to be around. But the things that these Internet assholes said, no one is going to care about that enough to research it. Right. Although maybe they will. You know, I mean, like, do you think that future historians will ever actually encounter like YouTube comments like, oh, the prevailing sentiment in uh, the, the prevailing sentiment in the early 2000s was that this book, as popular as it was, was totally for fags. Right. Like, I doubt that. I, it's, it's hard for me to imagine it ever being worth pouring over that kind of information. I can understand the idea that if people, if enough people are asking this question all over the internet, then every time somebody reads it, that might come up, so I might as well address it. I guess one of the thing, good things that came out of that is Victor Crumb learning how to pronounce Hermione. Because I, oh. I had no idea before that she was Hermione to me. Until there, there's a scene in Goblet of Fire where they're just sitting down sounding her name out. Right. Yeah, that's, you know, so that's okay. I, I don't remember how, I think maybe my dad knew about and pointed out the existence of the actress Hermione Granger. Huh. And just that that was a real name. But Hermione Granger is the one in Harry Potter, what? Wait, I'm thinking of somebody else then. Really? That's... No, you're right. Who am I thinking of then? What's the last name? There was, uh, I'm going to look in Wikipedia, because that's exciting. Hermione Baddeley and Mary Poppins. And I guess that's a pretty common British name. Oh, she should have just taken this name directly. Hermione Cockburn. Hermione Norris. Hermione Lee. Hermione Hannon. Hermione Cockburn. Cockburn. Yeah. Somebody call the Cockburn Ward. Huh. Uh, list of people with the given name Hermione uh, listed both in the fictional people and the uh, non-fictional people is Hermione Granger. Uh, the the non-fiction one. Character in Harry Potter, an awesome butt-busting witch. Wow. That's uh, the most neutral thing I've ever read on Wikipedia. Who? Uh, yeah, I don't know which one of these was the one that my dad was aware of but it was some but it was some british actress from something that he was aware of when he was younger hmm. yeah and now now the name the fictional name is just more ingrained in my consciousness than the real name whatever it was Hermione. uh anyway bring that name back although do you think anybody could could get away with naming their daughter hermione now i'll bet that there are hermione's out there one of the most popular names in the country right now is bella from fucking twilight that's great. So people who read Twilight are breeding. Rod Handsome Huge Dick. Exactly. Um, I, I think I could probably get away with naming my son Harry. What could go wrong? Oh. Slime. Um, so, uh, just to quickly quickly look at these uh, tweet, tweeters' questions. Uh, Casey Wiederman wrote, Asim, what's your take on trenchers? Uh, so I looked this up. Um... So a, a trencher is a piece of equipment, a piece of uh, farm equipment or, uh, or construction equipment that I think of as a ditch witch. But apparently a ditch witch is just a brand of trencher. Okay. Uh, also, so a trencher is a, like a wooden plate. Right. Uh, it used Didn't to be the, made of bread. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't that like a bread plate? 
Yeah. I could go for a, a plate made of bread with like an open face sandwich on the top of it. You think? Yeah. And then you wouldn't actually eat the bread. You would give it as alms to the poor. Perhaps. Um, I've never been a fan of bread bowls. Uh, they give don't. you wings. That's true. Um, you know, I like a ditch witch. When you when you gotta dig a ditch, uh, there's there's no. Is that the thing that's like the giant chainsaw that you 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 rape the ground with? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can mount it uh, behind your dragula. Right. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a ground raper. Hmm. I went to the butcher shop and I said, "Give me four pounds of ground raper." Uh, what else came into the Twitters? Uh, Minty Giant says, How often do fears of copyright infringement keep you from following your visions? Bone Star, for example. Ever been threatened with lawsuits? No, I would say never. Uh, does that happen? Except for KOL from AOL. I mean, we were not threatened with a lawsuit there, right? Like, I got a call from AOL's lawyers investigating our use of a term that they had recently trademarked. Right. Right? Like, I, like, as much as it makes a better story, if that was, like, some nefarious thing, I kind of don't think that it was. No, sure. You know, like, I think they were, they were just doing their job as, like, because, like, there's weird trademark laws where you, like, you have to actively protect a trademark or you lose it. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, like whether or not you should be able to trade to trademark an already in use three letter acronym is fine. But I mean, we didn't really do any business under that name, and it was also not, you know, like maybe the radio would have had a problem because it was like some kids online radio station thing that they were doing that was why they trademarked it. But also the fact that we were using it first would be a pretty clear indication that. Yeah, so, uh, no, I I don't, I I trust in this sort of uh, almost religious uh, belief, uh, because I don't know that there's anything that really backs this up, that, like, all parody is protected. I think it, I think everything we do is pretty solidly in the division of being protected, and I think a lot of the actual lawsuit threatening that happens with parody is people counting on folks being scared enough that they don't bother learning that they're okay to be parodying parodying stuff yeah i mean i don't know you know we can't really afford although i might just send the company down the tubes on principle if it ever comes up that sounds like a great idea yeah let's let's do that i you know we're also very much under the radar right i mean like we're just not really that big of a deal. And so I like I can't imagine us becoming a target. Which which is nice, right? Because I mean I feel like the the right set of assholes could probably sue us over some patent. Right? Because yeah. like software patent litigation is just this like notorious quagmire that Giggity. you know, everyone is violating any number of irresponsibly granted software patents. Right? But it's just like being a being a small outfit with shallow pockets. You know, I mean, it's like they're deep enough to keep us living, keep us in, keep us in our trenchers, yeah. trenchers of stew. Keep us getting trench mouth. Yeah. Fred Levi says, if your KOL comic were to be a cartoon, who would you want to do the voices? It's the what? 
If the KOL comic were to be a cartoon, uh, who would you want to do the voices? Uh, you know, I, I would like Will Wheaton for Joe Eight Pack, I think, and Felicia Day for Jill. And oh, yeah. uh, you think Will Wheaton could convincingly voice the father of Felicia Day? Well, he, he can voice like the father of somebody, right? The father think, of the bride, yeah, by Steve Martin. I want Steve Martin to play Will Wheaton as Joe. Um, if we do, if we ever do this, like the like the sound uh, motion comic, can we get Gilbert Gottfried to do a voice? Oh yeah, he could be Ritalin, or he could be Susie. <laughs> uh, no, no, I like Ritalin. Ritalin's a Ritalin's a bigger part. We gotta. We, he's got to get back some of that Aflac money that he lost. Yeah, and then we'll just replace all of Ritalin's dialogue with the long form version of the Aristocrats. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I, when when somebody's a voice actor, they do what you say. Right. Ah uh, man, I was reading this book uh, called something about the subtitle is "Why Video Games Matters." It's a collection of columns that were written by this guy named Tom Bissell, um, who's just written some, you know, like the the kinds of essays that you write these days for like a magazine, but they're about video games. Um, and he was talking about how much it bothers him. And this is a thing that has always been a pet peeve of mine. When the voice actors in a thing just very obviously don't have any context for the thing that they're saying. And so they enunciate it completely ridiculously. Huh. It drives me nuts in a cutscene when it's like, no, man, that you just totally emphasized the wrong word. Like you were reading the sentence in a vacuum. And it was all like, <laughs> like that. Exactly. Except there wouldn't even be any sound. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that also pisses me off. And when I ask for uh, when I ask for uh, for condiments as a as a joke about comments, <laughs> Evan S. Parker suggests sriracha, which uh, that'd be good if you added an extra R to it. Got it right. Sriracha. Yeah, R sriracha. How do you feel about sriracha? You like sriracha? Yeah, I am. Eating it on damn near everything. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Came to it late in life, but, uh, like so many things. But, uh, I found, like, I end up eating macaroni and cheese for lunch almost every day with Ollie. Because sandwiches are kind of a pain in the ass to, like, keep everything stocked to make them. So it's just a good go-to lunch. And I get really sick of macaroni and cheese, but then you put Sri Raka in there, and by God, it's delicious. Cock sauce. Cock sauce. Have you taught him to refer to it as cock sauce? No, because... Yeah. He's a tiny parrot. He already talks oh. about penises way too much. Yeah, but that... Well, I mean, why, you know, why wouldn't you? I... <clears throat> here's a question. This is, this is a thing that you might, you might have some opinions about because you might need to worry about this uh, one of these days soon. I was reading some big long thing about the, like, inappropriate way in which some girl's dad who was a doctor... It, explain sex to her and how she felt like it was weird and not the way that she's going to explain it to her daughter. And I got to thinking about this. And it seems to me that when everyone learns about sex, it's sort of awkward and scary and creepy. Uh Because in my mind... Like, it is a weird, terrifying thing that, as a kid, you are just fundamentally incapable of understanding. 
And oh, yeah. so, like, I don't feel like the, oh, I accidentally walked in on my parents having sex. Like, I don't feel like that's actual trauma, right? I feel like that is that is one of the awkward ways in which you learn about a thing that's really gross to you. Right. And, and that, like, I, like I, I almost feel like no matter how you learn about sex, the act of learning about sex is traumatic. Right. I'm curious, like, how are you going to, like, what, I mean, what do you do when your kid starts talking about penises? Do you tell him not to talk about penises? No. Yeah, I mean. I, like, if he's just wandering around, say, the Target, going, Papa has a penis. I have a penis. Mama has a penis. No, Mama doesn't have a penis. Mama has a penis. And I'll say, you know, and when we're not in the house, people don't really want to hear about your penis. So I think that's a... The furthest I'll go down that route is to say, like, people don't like hearing about that versus mm. you don't you don't speak of that. I mean, no one likes your penis, Ollie. Yeah, nobody. No one will ever be interested in your penis, Ollie. Exactly. That's what you, that's what you should say. But when it comes time for the sex talk, uh, I will be frank and further from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'll nice. dress up. And then I will uh, I'll tell them all about it. Yeah, um, just like, say like this is how it would work with Janet, and this is how it would work with Brad. Exactly. I didn't mean to say Janet so awkwardly, <laughs> but that was uh, excellent. I just couldn't I couldn't decide whether I was going to say Brad or Janet first. Uh, Brandit. Uh, and Jad. This is how it works with Jad Abumrad from Radio Left. <laughs> and this is how it works with Brangelina. When two people love each other very much, they adopt nine Biafran children. <coughs> Biafran? Like, I don't... were those Jello Biafra's kids? Yes, they were. Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, Biafra was the Republic of Biafra. I suppose. Yeah. <coughs> Secessionist state in southeastern Nigeria, buddy. That's what Wikipedia teaches us. Boy, I sure don't know anything about Africa. Yeah. I mean, like, my dad's go-to, like, for, star, like, you know, a starving African kid was always a Biafran. So I feel like for a while there, that was where people were most most visibly starving on American television. I, I always got Ethiopia. Yeah, I think Ethiopia was later. Yeah. Came into that spotlight. Ethiopia was the Johnny-come-lately. You were into Biafra. Yep. I heard a joke that apparently everyone else but me has already heard, uh, which was, how, how did the hipster burn his mouth? Oh, he ate the pizza before it was cool. Yeah. I think I might have told you that joke, actually. Oh, yeah? Yep. Maybe I had already heard it before I encountered it, like, a week ago. Um, and I just forgot about it. Because I'm old, Mr. Scullet, and my mind is like a fucking sieve. It was a great and beautiful little window between me reading that joke somewhere on the internet and everybody knowing it so for a while I would tell it and people would be like oh my god that's so clever you're a clever guy that's yeah, you, were the, you got to be the funny guy for a while yes, finally. I, I got to be funny alright we need to dip into this uh, forum thread a little bit before we take a break sure alright so I feel like I accidentally interrupted you what were you going to say buddy nothing man nothing at all alright uh, Blister Guy says, what do you like about the dev team? What do you not like about the dev team? How does someone get to be a part of the dev team? Uh, well, third question first. The dev, team's, the dev team is all full. Um, too full. 
if you ask some people. Uh, what do I like about the dev team and what do I not like about the dev team? Uh, I both like and don't like how they will uh, anticipate uh, forum complaints ahead of time and make me fix things that would make everyone angry before anybody gets the chance to get angry about them except for me. Okay. No. Dev team rules. Uh, which is sort of rivalry between the dev team and some other team. Like the dev team and the mods. Oh yeah. Let's get a real, let's get a real us versus them thing going there. And the, the people who are both just have to commit suicide. Or battle themselves. No, sure. Uh, Lyco says, first of all, I'd like to say I beat the Naughty Sorcerers for the first time a few days ago, and I have to say I'm hooked. You guys have made an amazing game. Keep up the good work. Now, I was wondering, assuming that you two hadn't made KOL and instead stumbled upon it and started playing it, do you think KOL would be a game you would personally like? Is it a game you'd have fun playing instead of making? Um... I don't know. I mean, I feel like I certainly would not have played it every day for nine years. I think I would have wandered out and back, like a yep. lot of our people do. Yep. Yep. I I agree. I mean, I I kind of do that with Twilight Heroes. You know, I I I leave and come back and leave and come back and like it's uh, you know the 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 things that are constantly updated are interesting in that regard. I mean, that's sort of how I approach World of Warcraft, too. Like, I'll get real into it for, like, a month and then put it down for a year. Sure. Um, also, he says, on the What is KOL page of the website, KOL is described as being an open beta. Assuming this isn't an out-of-date piece of information, do you think KOL will ever really be finished? If so, what do you think would need to be put in before the game is complete? What is still necessary? What are you unsatisfied with? Yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be finished. I mean, it, like... It... It is weird to me, the idea of, like, I mean, KOL is really more of a service than a product in a lot of ways. But it has a lot of product aspects to it, right? Like, you could package it and just say, all right, this is the game that you could play now, like, offline by yourself. And it wouldn't be really interesting um, because of the, like, time component and the social component. But... I don't know, what does it mean for a service to be in beta? Open beta, you know, people say, oh, I think this puts off a lot of people and they don't want to play it because it says it's an open beta, and I don't think that that's true at all. Right. You know, I, like, I don't think the fact that my... I don't think that, say, Minecraft arbitrarily deciding that between the, the you know, the last patch and this one that the game is finished and now it's 1.0, I don't think that means anything. Right? But maybe it does. You know, maybe the lawyers and the accountants know what it means. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we will keep working on it as long as there are people playing it and it is either continuing to pay for itself or we have time to do it even though we have to get real jobs right. or whatever. You know, it'll be interesting if we get another if we get another product going that we're that we're excited about working on and is making money, like will we slack off? On KOL? I don't know. My sources say maybe. I hope that we get the chance to find out whether that will happen. Like I hope that right. you know, I hope that we can make a new game that will be popular enough that people will wanna will wanna pay us for it. And I think we can. Uh let's see. 
Ludwig von Meiser says, uh, Bank of KOL just turned five years old. I'm hosting a two-part contest with prizes to celebrate. The fun thing about it is that the first part is a meta contest to see who can come up with the most interesting and original idea for a contest, and the second part is the implementation of a winning contest idea. I'm doing it this way because while not everyone has the extra meat to blow on throwing a big contest, I imagine that many people still have good ideas, and this is a chance for their ideas to be implemented. My question for you is, what would your submission be? What sort of interesting contest would the game designers like to see that helped, uh, uh, that challenges and bends the idea of how people play KOL? Huh. Well, like a banking-themed challenge. We've been trying to uh, come up with interesting challenges that bend the way that people play KOL, and we've been struggling ever so slightly with our challenge paths. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, with like a with like a limited time contest, though, like I don't know, like maybe you'd have to figure out a way to really to really vigorously multi-police this or, or figure out a way to do it in a way that it was, was imper impermeable by multi-abuse, impervious to multi-abuse, but like a thing where like a sort of like a diplomacy and trading contest where everybody in a fixed group of people who entered the contest started with some certain amount of stuff and then whoever ended with the most won the contest. You know, like if we produce some fixed amount of script, and then all right, which of you, which of you is going to be the one percent, and and which of you are going to be left occupying seaside town yeah. when when this wealth when this wealth is spread? I mean, no, sure, that's not funny, but uh, although that's kind of funny, you just don't like it because you're all political and shit. Um, uh, you know, uh, that that seems like it might be fun, like it's as a purely social thing. Sure. Um. You know, investments and stuff. Coral says, is it close enough to rollover that you can talk about the new challenge path? What can you tell us about it? Uh, nothing yet. I, I can tell you that I hope that uh, I hope that CD Moyer's internet doesn't go out because if it does, then nothing's going to happen. Because this is the this is that sometimes frustrating portion of the year where I'm on the radio during rollover, one right. out of every seven times. Um. Schultz says, on tattooing again, your opinion of this fine piece of ink may help your own opinion uh, on how well tattoo artists are at duplicating KOL art. Note this was done in a tattoo studio that, given a bit more forward planning, I wouldn't have trusted to boil an egg. Is I don't that know that I would trust a... most tattoo studios to even have the requisite equipment for boiling an egg. Yeah, is that generally something that is a deal breaker at a tattoo place? I mean, I, I guess maybe boiling get... an egg is a thing that the Brits find so simple that to, for us it's like boiling water. Like, right. to, to describe somebody as inept, you would say he would burn water trying to boil it. Uh-huh. Right. I don't think that I would walk into a diner and not eat there if they couldn't give me a tattoo. Yeah, I wouldn't either. So, then, uh, if, if my actual meal was not served by a midget impersonating tattoo from Fantasy Island. Well, I would be disappointed. No, I actually will only eat at restaurants with midget servers now. That is a fine-looking tattoo, though, Clyde. I think it is. It was well done. It was boiled like an egg. Uh, now actual questions. He says, now that there's an escort quest framework built into the game with this year's content familiar, how about that little Canadian quest? Uh, so one of my, among my problems with that stuff now is that that uh, content is a scathing parody of like 2005 era World of Warcraft. <laughs> um, uh, Will we be seeing any major content pushes before Crimbo, new challenge path notwithstanding? Uh, no. Um, 
I don't. I, I explicitly think no is the decision on that. Um, it it would theoretically probably be possible for Riff's next thing to get coded and and pushed out if I drew it uh, between now and then. But I think we're saving that for like a January or a February. Uh, we have and, we talked you know, about what we're doing for Mister Store in January. Or are we keeping that uh, playing that close to the vest? We well, we are. I I am not. I am. I have been refraining from committing to it in case we don't get it done. But it's looking. It is looking like we're gonna get it done. I believe so. Yeah, like I was. I like I was like when I when I was leaving for the weekend. I was like, all right, I need to check in and make sure that that uh, Riff and Scully are getting stuff done on on these uh, two mystery familiars. And I like looked and I'm like. Fucking a! They are getting stuff done, and how mm. was how I felt when I left for that wedding. Confident, confident that my shit was under control. Um, so yeah, the the plan is for January first to be the date at which the new two mystery familiars roll out. One of which is a spleen familiar, and one of which is a content familiar. Um, and I said that I didn't want to do that. Hot Stuff was very insistent that it made a lot more sense for the yearly familiars to start on January 1st rather than some random date in February. Right. Which he's right. Uh, but I said, okay, but you're in charge of actually doing the management to make sure that these things get done in November when they have to get done because December is all Christmas and vacations and Christmas vacations. Right. Um, and seems like it's working. Um. I'm 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 looking forward to some some serious discussions and some progress updates at our Wednesday meeting, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's looking like it is well in hand. Um, the Crimbo stuff starts pretty much in earnest on the first. Uh, not not to freak people out about how you're missing it or whatever, but like, uh, we're not we're not holding back until the middle of the month like we normally do for a lot of what's going on with Crimbo this year. Um, so that, that stuff is all, all also underway. And I've, uh, the parts of it, the parts of it that are starting earlier, the parts that are sort of, uh, have, have come under my purview. So this, you know, it's getting there. There's a bunch of shit spindled in the middle of a bunch of other shit now. Yeah. Like, like you a like quarter it. of the items from that content are there right before all of the 11 stuff and some of this Doomistry familiar stuff and like, you know, so whatever. Whatever. I work how I work. Also, my sub-annual suggestion to put Canadianity on the Mr. A. Having got one at last, it would gel nicely with my uh, thick Canadian accent. Yeah. yeah. I never know uh, when it comes time to... When, when I think about this, it's always on the radio, and I never know whether it is safe to put an intrinsic on an accessory. I'm pretty sure it is, but not 100% sure that it is. Um, I don't know that we've ever done it on an accessory that you could equip more than one of, right. and so I don't know if that's going to play right, and I would want to test it on some sort of test accessory. Like, I don't know, I'll make a thing called Mr. Accessory to test it on. Uh-huh. Because um, I don't want to make it so you can only equip one Mr. A, because that's, you know, a, sort of a needless nerf. Doing that for the sake of a joke seems pretty silly. Um, I know this is a long shot, says Xenosis, but any hints for what's coming up this Crimbo? Yeah. Bunch of hints you just got. No. Uh, Wax says, Cheeky bugger, I hope they get to this question and answer it about 15 seconds before rollover starts so everybody rushes them all. Uh, I don't know how much mall rushing this one's going to produce. Mm. 
I think it'll Maybe take so. a while for people to figure out what they need. Maybe. Speaking of new challenge path, he says, each path has restrictions. So will you be restric- restricting the Scarecrow or its spangly mariachi pants? Uh, no. No. It is not uh, also regarding there. the Thursday show, I really like the banter about combining a muddy stick and a wet blanket to prevent <laughs> random encounter, random event encounters. That's easy, clean, fun humor that everybody can enjoy, and I really hope it makes it into the game. Uh, hopefully to make a stop having fun, guys. <laughs> oh. Uh. Um, and one more. I have an extremely thick skull. Could you drop some more hints as to the upcoming challenge path? Uh, your biggest hint now is wait about 35 minutes. Exactly. Um, and somebody who can, says they can't log on, but it's because of the W. A lot of people had. And I guess why wouldn't you have one of the random subservers bookmarked? Sure. I don't think about that because I just have dev bookmarked and dev is always the same. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it is probably worth just setting up the old www servers to redirect to www. Um, we didn't do that because we were afraid that it would create some sort of weird, crazy looping inside. But now that they're pointing to nothing, I don't think that it could possibly hurt for them to not point to nothing. Sure. Uh, El Accordionachi says, have you considered accepting Dwala as a payment option for donations? They're a new company that apparently only takes 25 cents per transaction as opposed to the percentages that everyone else charges. Just read about them on this article, and if they live up to their promise, I'll drop PayPal in a heartbeat. Um, I don't know. If it's if it's a serious thing, I mean, this is the kind of thing that if, like, a bunch of people ask for it, then sure. Um, yeah, I was looking at that with an yeah. eye to our stuff, and... <clears throat> If they're, I don't really if they're know doing what anything they say about it. I, like, I saw a link to it. It's like a guy who's, you know, with sort of has the goal of trying to take on PayPal. You know, right, they say way. they're already moving thirty-five to forty million dollars a month. Hmm. And they, so uh, he said, they, it doesn't matter how big or small the transaction is. Their whole business plan is they get a quarter every time somebody makes a transaction, and that's. Right. Yeah, if he's able to do it, like I guess he's got a whole bunch of accounts in Iowa is where the business is based right now and he wants to expand it. It looks like both parties in the transaction have to have it. But uh it's like so you can't use a credit card. I mean that would make sense, right? Right, yeah, the whole deal is to not have it be credit cards. You give them your bank information and they transfer the money between the two banks. Without going through, like, Visa, VeriSign, and, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we would have to do that on our end anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, anytime you have anything that, like, in order for us to get the money out into the world where we can use it on things like salaries and servers, we have to get it from whatever to a bank. Right. Um, it, what, you know, what, what it will depend on when the time comes is if they have a robust enough API to support actually using it. Right, because like if it was just a website that did that, and they don't have tools for like remote verification that a transaction occurred or whatever, and we like we're not going to do it if we have to process them all manually. Right. Um. You know the 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 current options are all instantaneous, and that's there's a reason for that. Uh, Blister guy says, "How's the PvP revamp coming along? It's been a while since you've spoken glowingly of its progress. I got kind of wandered away from again. It happens." Um, hey, you want to take a break? Uh, sure. We're yeah, we're we do. Do you want to do ten minutes or fifteen or what do you want? 
Oh, let's say ten. All right. Say ten. Let's see ten. Take it a bit. Cool. <sighs> How was your break? I went and talked to my wife for a minute, and I went pee. It was exciting. You went wee-wee out of your penis? I did. My penis. I... Yeah. It's weird to think that we're supposed to be calling his penis something other than a penis, because I was just never going to do that shit. But I mm -hmm. hear people like, Don't touch your wee-wee. Like, you're what? Wee-wee. I actually knew I somebody who, who used birdie for penis. Huh. But birdie is a word that they're going to encounter in the world. Right, like every time they're going to think golf is way sexier than it actually is. Could you possibly think the golf is way sexier than it in fact is? Yeah, I don't know. Birdie, getting a birdie on the 17th hole is... Uh, hey. Takes on a whole new meaning. Just finding that seventeenth uh, hole—that's a thing. What did your What did your parents refer to your penis as when you were a child? I think it was probably wee wee. They told me later was, that they were afraid that if I had said, if they had said penis, I would have just immediately started shouting penis all the time. Mm. Which is probably uh, true. You would have gone down to the beach to build a nice sand penis. Exactly. You go down to the sand trap to build a sand birdie. The letter K writes, Counterclockwise terrarium. Put a familiar in it. It reverts to its hatchling state. I mean, if you liked it, then you should have put a familiar in it. Yeah, I don't know. People still hate that. Hate that idea. And, at, like, the people who are probably the most tuned in to the way that the economic mindset works are the most against it. Uh, say that it would just collapse everything. Everything would literally collapse. Yep. Although now they're claiming in dev that they were only really upset about it being uh, an ultra rare. But that's as common as I want them to be. Is as rare as possible. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. Pokemon says, also, he talks about the haunted house, but he's like, also, what's the deal with Groundhog Day? That weather prediction crap never works out the way they say anyway. In KOL, we should fight some giant rodent on the plains and it drops a groundhog dog, which is obviously made of ground up giant plains rodent meat. Also, also, my real questions. What kind of things do you get from KOL players for Crimbo? Do you get lots of things, or is it just the occasional surprise now and then? Uh, they're they're more occasional than they used to be. There's like a there's like a case in Riff's office that's all the stuff people have sent us, hmm. and we various get, other mementos. We get soap every year from a friend of ours. That's true. From Kalu. Kalu. Uh, jokes on her though, because I don't use soap. Yeah, she should really quit sending that to you and send you condoms instead. No. Nah. Ah, uh, a lot of the soap is glittery, so I think I wouldn't use it anyway. I tend to use them just because they're <clears throat> they keep me from having to buy soap. Yeah, <clears throat> they're all right. They're I guess nice. they're. Real. I know where they came from. I know they don't have like secret mm. uh, Gillette mind control chemicals in them. Yeah, yeah, or cancer-causing sodium lauryl sulfates or yeah. whatever. Although I don't. Some uh, of them, uh, some of them have avocado oil in them, which would probably make me break out in a vomiting rash. I do actually avoid sodium lauryl sulfate, not because uh, not because I believe that there's any vast cancer conspiracy or anything, or even that it causes cancer more than anything else does, but because uh, there is some data to suggest that it makes uh, the kind of canker sores that I get worse. Hmm. 
and also I don't like it. Like, it's that thing that just coats your tongue and makes your teeth feel clean. Right. So it's just sort of like a lie that toothpaste decided to start telling you one day. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I use that Tom's Main, and I don't have any more or fewer cavities than I ever did. Right. Uh, but you know what I do have? is a glass of orange juice every once in a while after I brush my teeth. Yeah, because that, after you brush your teeth with Tom's of Maine, your mouth is never going to taste any worse. So uh, no, I use the good. I use the good tasting kind. For a while there, you had the one that was like baking soda and vinegar flavored. No, I it was just cinnamon or peppermint. It was at least just solid baking soda because that was pretty much all it. Yeah, I may have. I may have had one. I used to use uh, even when I was a kid. I used to use that Arm and Hammer baking soda toothpaste sometimes. Hmm. I just got used to toothpaste being a thing that was kind of salty. <laughs> it's weird. Every once in a while when I have to use, like, a little travel tube, you can only get travel tubes of, like, the toothpaste that's basically candy. Right. And so when I'm traveling and I brush my teeth with that stuff, I'm just like, Bleh. It's gross. Billy Bob Fred says, are you going to do the 11-11-11 thing again in 100 years? Yes. I, I, I can commit to that. Um... Erich says, 11-11-11 came up. Great stuff, thanks. And it made me think of Cinco Mayo Lager. What was the decision to not continue that this year? Uh, well, uh, there was never a decision to start a yearly tradition with it. It was just so like, oh, why don't I do a thing? Wasn't that because Sneaky Pete's and Cinco de Mayo occurred simultaneously? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, I, think I just wrote this script to give everybody one because hmm. I wanted to do like an old school style event. I mean, th you know, the, the, the things that that the eleven eleven event and the Cinco Mayo thing had in common or that it was just a thing that I was like, hey, why don't I, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I just sat down and spent like an hour and did it. Hmm. Um, so it was just one thing. P.S. Skyrim, Skyrim looks fucking amazing. Skyrim also looks fucking amazing. <laughs> this is for Scully, says Unnamed Hobo. Congratulations. I'm really, really satisfied with the comic and thank you for working so hard on it. But Rickroll? Really? Really? Yes, really. I'm reading it like that. I that is a little a little turn of phrase that really, really, that drives me nuts. And I wish that that had not caught on with everyone. Really, you wish that? Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just like a way. I you know I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff like this that I also do. But to me. It is like, it is a way of being snarky without putting any effort into being snarky. Right. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, it's like the, it's like the, whoever, whoever it is that was really upset about meh. I forget. It was somebody, you know, it was like maybe like a John Hodgman or some, somebody or somebody that like writes stuff that we read on the internet, just a crusade, not even a crusade, but just a rant about how like meh is the worst thing to ever happen to discourse. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. That's a good comic, though. I'm excited to see, like, the physical product. I mean, I just like it when a thing actually makes it from conception to production, you know? It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, Corruptor of Souls writes, what's your usual process for developing ideas for challenge paths? Do you usually start from a standpoint of this seems pretty easy to implement or do you usually start from something like, hey, this is a neat idea. It'll involve some work, but it's too cool to pass up or some combination of the two. Well, um, 
the only one that, well, the two that we know, the two that I know we're going to do in the future, uh, one of which is like the Batman thing that we've been talking about, which I, I really feel like it needs to be, the only way to do justice to that is to basically make an entire Ascension's worth of content that's Batman themed. Right. Um, which, you know, I, I think we can do, and I think we can do it in less time than, than we think we can do it in. Although definitionally, I can't think that I can do it in less time than I think I can do it in. Uh, the other one started out as an item of the month that we had too many good ideas for, and I was like, you know what? This is less like an item of the month and more like a challenge path, so let's do something different for the item of the month and save this for another challenge path. Um, and then he suggests the what was basically the path that we got fed up with trying to make it interesting and did way of a surprising fist instead. Uh, and I talked about that a little bit in this thing. Gamelli says, so hypothetically, let's say that Negative Land was available as a band for con at a not-too-unreasonable price. Would you hire them, or would you think the show would be too weird for the con crowd? For what it's worth, they put on a phenomenal show the last time I saw them in Chicago. Depending on how reasonable the price was, I would hire them to do that show no matter how little I thought anyone else in the con audience would enjoy it. Is it um, still the same guys after all this time? I believe it is, yeah. Hmm. They were They were fairly old when they were doing, like, I feel like they're all in their 60s huh. at this point. I don't know why I think that. Are they I 10 do. years older than John Liddell and John Flansburg? Are they, are they 50 now? Yep. I remember they were, I remember like when I was, when I first got into They Might Be Giants and I was like, I wonder how old, how old do you got to be to do something like this? And I was like, oh, they're 30. I guess 30 is when you really get your shit together. So they started when they were 25. Yeah. Then I then I found them after that. <coughs> gotcha. I didn't find them. You found them. You found them and shared it with me. It's one of the two best things I've ever shared with you. Uh, let's see. Casey Weherman says, Ah, question. Did I forget to log in on 11.11.11? Answer, yes. Yes, I did. I make myself sad. You can make yourself a slad if you got a big frog costume. Did you ever see any Dungeons and Dragons stuff with those slads? Uh, no, I think I missed that. Big <clears throat> evil frog dudes that came in different colors. <clears throat> huh. And different, they came in different lady frogs. Uh, question says, question says, Cowman Bob, colon, about that PvP revamp rolling before the end of the calendar year. How's that looking? No, 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 no. That's not going to work. Let's see. Question unrelated to the post uh, by Dog Delusion. One of the things I really liked about crafting, or I really like about crafting, is how there's a lot of interaction between the classes. Pasta Bensers need sauce to make stuff, even wads at higher levels, and saucers need wads to make some of the better potions as well. Why are there no cocktails that require saucer or potions or wads? Perhaps by combining premium cocktail ingredients with a saucer or potion and garnishing it could result in a beverage that not only acts as an awesome drink, but also confers 20 turns of some effect or something. I don't mean to make this sound so much like a suggestion, I just wanted to provide an example of what I mean, but I'm curious if there's been any thought put into the idea of more cross-class recipes uh, cross-class recipes being added to the game at some point, or are they already here and we just don't know about it yet? I So I really like that idea, and I am probably going to do more stuff like it in the kind of aftercore realm, but it is hard for us to do stuff like that in a game where you ascend and confirm every skill. Um, right, because you don't need multiple like I like the idea of multiple people having to collaborate to make a bunch of stuff for people to use but I kind of don't like the idea of multiple people having to collaborate to make something that's like ascension optimal because 
then it's like, oh, well, this is just another thing that people are forced to do, but right. they don't want to, and like, I don't force people to be nice if they don't want to. Um, but yeah, you know, it's 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 a little it's a little weird, and it's also always the problem with booze is that it's tough to do anything interesting with food or booze that we didn't already do, right. uh, because I am like. The only way to make food that anyone will ever eat is by making it better than all of the existing stuff, and there's only so many times that we can do that before turn gen gets even more ridiculous than it already is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, what if three or four or five people's worth of effort for one day made one three drunkenness drink that was better than better than the best three drunkenness drink that currently exists like would that be rare enough that it wouldn't be a big deal and it certainly wouldn't be a thing that like farmers would use all the time it'd be a thing that you'd make and sell in the mall with all your multis and your multis falcons uh prehensile dna says saints row the third comes out on the 15th are you guys excited and ambivalent thoughts on the saints row series i played a couple of hours of saints row 2 um it was a game that I bought on a computer that wouldn't really run it, and then after I got a newer computer uh, some years later, I never picked it back up again. That'll happen sometimes. I'll get a bad taste in my mouth from for some game because I have trouble getting it to run in the first place. Yeah. And then later on, when the problem gets fixed, I just don't ever feel like picking it back up. I think in a lot of ways, the Saints Row series is trying to maintain the traditions of the earlier GTA games that were fun, right? And that have been removed from later games in the GTA series, like the stuff that was more just sort of poking your head into places and finding things to do. Right. But I don't like the tone of the Saints Row stuff. Right? I don't like that there is, you know, a series of missions where you spray houses with diarrhea. Yeah. And stuff like that. You know, it's too scatological like, for you. It's, I mean, yeah, honestly, it is. Like, like, it doesn't. Like, it didn't bother me that there was like a dildo that you could find in Vice City or whatever, right? Like, there was there was a dildo laying around somewhere that you could get and use as a weapon. It's like, oh, this is a game where you can beat people up with a dildo. But then in like Saints Row Two, it was like. Every place that sold weapons, one of the weapons was a dildo. Or, I mean, not not specifically that, but it was just like, okay, okay. It was like funny in a small dose, but like when that just becomes a core part of what you're doing, that's like just a general level of discourse that I'm no longer that interested in. Gotcha. I mean, far be it for me, right? I, like, it like the same reason that I that I don't want fart jokes in KOL, really. Right, you the just occasional taint jokes, oblique fart reference. But that's just the word. That is just a play on words. You're not literally cleaning the area between somebody's nuts and their asshole, right? I like to pretend that I am. Sure, but I mean, you always like to pretend that you're doing that. Yeah, that's true. It makes mopping the floor more exciting. Uh, let's see. Van Ban says, uh, do you find it harder to come up with new ideas, get them implemented, make them fun, funny, and interesting? Um, 
That's a good question. I mean, coming up with new ideas is easy. Doing the work that actually results in them becoming a thing that can be implemented is often the worst part of the process because you don't know how long it's going to take. And it's like, all right, well, I'm going to write down all of my thoughts. And those are just going to be the things that like come really easily to you. And it's always like, all right, so then we'll do 10 of these things and 10 of these things and five of these things. And it's like, all right, so let's make this list of 10 things. And then you come up with three and then you really squeeze and you get two more and then you phone in three more and then you've got eight. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and it always seems like it's like, well, I've got I've had two good ideas. How can how hard can it be to come up with eight more? And it's like turns out like pretty hard and like two is not enough for you to go ahead with the thing that you're doing. And so, you know, there's often just this there's this like. I don't know, there's these editing processes and, like, uh, you know. Yeah. Starting starting development on a new idea is definitely the easiest part. And the home stretch where you know everything that you have to do and it's just a matter of sitting down and doing it all, that is really satisfying and really fun. Like, it's not easy, but it's really enjoyable. Right. Um, But it's that middle part, like, getting from getting from, you know, past A to right before B is, is the part that can often take years. Uh, says, is there a certain goal you haven't reached yet that you'd like to realize in this lifetime? Build a house, paint a self-portrait, uh, may not be KOL related. (laughs) Do you want to paint your your self-portrait? I don't really want to paint a self-portrait. I don't, I don't know, honestly. Like, I kind of, all I ever really wanted to do was make video games. I want to make some more video games. I I would like to take the songs that I wrote ten years ago at this point and have them all, like, well, like, in a good quality recording with some backing musicians. Yeah? Yeah. What's stopping you? Eh, money and time, pretty much. I was able to I was able to record that song using the podcast stuff that that I had mm. anyway. Yeah, Learning how to do a multi track editing turned out to be like a huge thing in doing uh, multi track recording. That song is cool, by the way. I lulled. Oh, I lulled. You. Yeah, that's good. The, My attempt uh, was to create the lulls. Yeah, as I get better recording software and hardware for doing podcasts, that's a thing that I can do. What I really want, though, is not to be limited by how well I can play guitar or program a drum track. Oh, like, yeah. What I would really love to have is, like, studio time with session musicians or, or people I know who can really play. And just give those songs the full band treatment and then I would kind of be done with them you know I'm far past my dream of like touring with a band and realize now how kind of horrible that would have been yeah I like a lot of the things that a lot of people dream about doing with their lives are things that I think would I would just not enjoy at all hmm. like I would I would hate like I would hate to be famous yeah, Jesus. 
you know, like uh, just uh, like even the tiny doses of that that we get where we have to talk in front of people and stuff are are plenty. I mean, I I like being well liked. You know, I, I I like it when I like it when you know, like someone whose work I admire has heard of and appreciates my work. Like that is like deeply, deeply satisfying to me on so many levels. Sure. Um, but you know, like making stuff and then watching people enjoy the stuff that I have made is like just makes me so happy that like I don't like I feel I feel pretty good about the things that are going on in my life. You know, I mean, I guess I would like to have a kid. I would like to have a kid and raise a kid who is not lame, and <laughs> then I would feel like I've done something for, done something for the future. Sure. I'm working uh, on that one. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've gotten you've gotten the kid out into the world. That's that's a part. I have a feeling that whether or not he turns out lame is so not up to me, though. You think? Yeah. I mean, you look at like. I've never, I've never quite figured out where I come down on the nature nurture thing. I've just seen, like, me and my wife are very similar in our, like, tastes, our take on the world, our, like, philosophy of life, and we came from just absolute opposite ends of, like, socio-political standing and, like, religious upbringing and parenting styles, and yet we somehow ended up the same, which to me says that it's up to the kid. Like, it's entirely yeah. what your brain does with what you get. I mean, I guess it was a lot of, like, the, the the deepest connections that I've formed with people are, have been often with people like, you know, like, say, you, who was a preacher's kid. You know, deeply religious when we met. Right. You know, same, same with Roy. Like, it's, you know, but I don't know. I mean, I just... I can I can trace back so much of what goes on in my head to specific things that I remember about my dad mm. that I I can't I can't just discount it. Right? Like I can't just say like, oh well I'm just the way that I was gonna be and it wouldn't have mattered who raised me. Right. You know, but but who knows. Yeah, I, there's a lot of my dad in me too. But as far as like for mannerisms and stuff, but for actual yeah. like outlook on life, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, corrupter of souls asked if I'd be willing to elaborate further on the show about that uh, about that challenge path. Um, no, uh, if I if I thought about it for a while and sort of prepared some notes, then then maybe. But it was it, like the basic problem that we ended up with was it's like okay, so for for bleeding edge people, there are enough variations on the things that they eat and drink and use that the only thing that this does is it makes it so the leaderboard is going to be completely dominated by people who have every spleen familiar instead of just like one or two spleen familiars, which is not the case now. So we're like, oh, well, that sucks. Let's make a familiar, let's make a spleen familiar that just makes a bunch of different spleen items so that it solves that. So then it's like, all right, well, if they have this, there are, there are enough things for them to eat over the course of like an X day run where X is a small number that this is not going to have any impact on them at all. Like it will change their pull list instead of pulling the same thing five times, they will pull five different varieties of identical thing. Mm -hmm. um, but then for people who whose runs are taking longer, they just run out of stuff to eat. Like that run just turns into hardcore oxy as, as it 
as it moves along, but it's hardcore oxy with no spleen. Um, so then we started messing with this, like, oh, well, let's take a thing, we'll, we'll make a thing that goes in the, in the campground that, like, turns food into other food at random and has a chance of making it better, and so then there was that. And then it was like, all right, well, let's also do something where we add some content to it so that the people who are going slow have more fun with <laughs> this thing, exploring the new stuff. And it's like by presenting content as a thing that's going to be a drag to the fast people, and there was like a circus, and it was really half-baked, and I was just like, you know what, fuck this kung fu. Yeah, it was really starting to go off the rails. Yep. And and I think the, the reason that it was going off the rails was because it was a, it was a sort of poorly conceived train. Yeah. You know, it, it sounded like a good idea, but then it, it should have become clearer earlier in the development that it's like, you know what, I don't think this is going to work. Um, yeah, and then Blister Guy says, I assumed we would not know or that it would be refined for use later. I don't think that there's any saving that, that particular mm -hmm. mechanic. I, I think it is... It is a limit that is intrinsically not fun, and it's it's sort of hard because like thinking about these challenge paths, and this is an argument that I'm going to have to make when people start complaining about this challenge path. Now, keep in mind that this is in a space where its primary, still the majority of its of its comparators are: you can't eat, you can't drink booze, you can't eat or drink booze, right? Yeah. So it has to be less boring than those for it to be boring as a path um, and yeah this you know we'll, we'll we'll have to see this this path exists because it was a thing that the new one that's rolling right now it exists because it was easy to do and we are in the middle of crimbo and the and another fucking content familiar right now so we've got like we've got several plates in the air all of which have a lot on them uh, each of which is balanced on a different hat that we're wearing uh, also, did I get a haircut? No, I got them all cut. Uh, and also because, uh, so we thought, all right, well, the random like mechanical things that people have said that they want to play with, like I would imagine that like next Crimbo, we might do a challenge path where you only get 10 skills or you only get on class perm skills or something like that. Like there's things that people have been interested in like seeing how, seeing how the game would play if it worked like that. And then that exists not only as the current challenge path, but as a contest framework for people to use in the future. You know, and, and we can, we, our, our plan is to sort of see what, see how this thing plays out and then experiment with different ways of presenting the leaderboards um, as, as the need arises. In case it not, in case it uh, doesn't work for us to do things the, the exact same way. We have in the past, yeah. And then Lord Bichelot realizes, yeah, that's why the boots would have been optimal. They would have given you so many different spleen items. Yeah, that's exactly why. I also think that those turned out to be a pretty cool item, and they forced me to finally do that categorization of monsters that I've been intending. Yeah. And it just made it more interesting than a vanilla dropping a spleen thing. Bill says, while I'm approaching this from the perspective of a scriptwriter who wants his regular expressions to work, I've often wondered just for shits and giggles at times, what exactly is allowed in a player's name? Does it have to begin with a number or a letter? What other characters are allowed? Any rules on the last character? Does Bobby Tables play? That's yeah. 
Also, he says, I don't think this gets mentioned enough. The fact that we, the player base, can ask all these weird questions and actually get responses is real nifty. Thanks again for that. Ah, you're welcome. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that you can do letters, numbers, underscores, and spaces, and that's it. And it has to start with a letter. Um, there was something that didn't work right. Because of the way that PHP uh, handles type conversions, there was something that was broken in trying to like do a who is on somebody whose name started with a number. Right. Like if you made an account that was like one tastic or whatever, anytime anyone tried to send them anything, it would go to me because the game would just say, Oh, that's a one because of the way that some code was written somewhere. And also like, you don't need fucking numbers at the beginning of your name. You need an uppercase X and a lowercase X and an underscore. At the beginning yeah. You of your do. name. If you're truly um, hardcore. And I know a lot of places don't allow spaces, but I like that people can do that. I, I, you know, I don't like, well, I didn't like years ago when I had to figure out how to allow people to private message that person, uh, okay. having to do the kludges that we had to do there. But, uh, you know. Oh, boy. Oh, let's keep going, man. Uh, Royal Tonberry says, would you consider adding the in-game year, month, and day uh, in addition to the real-life year, month, and day to player profiles for creation and last login dates and perhaps ascension histories? Less ambiguous that way since rollover and time zones cause November 10th to be fuzzy on what it actually means. Hmm. Yeah, but no. Is that... I don't know. Is that easier to parse somehow? Well, it's it's less ambiguous about like how many days of gameplay someone has actually had. I think is is the advantage there. I if I had it to do over again, I think that I would not have done an in-game calendar like that. Hmm. Cuz I think the more of that information that we present to people, the more people are going to think it's important and by and large it is not particularly important. Sure, but it's flavorful. It's what? It's flavorful. Yeah, but, I mean, like, we don't have a crimbo on the in-game calendar, right? And we don't really need a crimbo on the in-game calendar. I guess I like that you can do this trick-or-treat stuff more often than just, like, once every Halloween, once every year. But, like... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm torn because it does create cool things like Crimboween or whatever. But like we could have done that anyway, right? Hey, yeah, I just I liked moons because I always liked as a guy who never played any Ultima game. I always liked that there were those moons in Ultima that did different things to the game world. Uh-huh. You know, but it's just been a slow process of eroding the significance of all of the things that the moons do to the game world. Hmm as the world became more of a game. Yeah. Uh, I'm a new guy says, the tilde button for re-adventuring in the hidden city currently makes you use your next adventure in the same square. I know it's completely the user's fault, but it bugs me when I instinctively hit it and waste that adventure in an already explored space. Would that even be possible to fix? I'm going to have to look at the hidden city when we get to that and see if I can't make that work in a slightly more sane way than it does. Also, can Stringozy Serpent be made to hit two monsters at once like Cannelloni Cannon? No. It's a snake. A snake can't bite two things at once. Mr. Skullhead, how many things can a snake bite at once? Well, it depends on how close together they are. 
Yeah. Okay. I guess a snake could probably eat two M and M's at the same time. Yeah, it could take like two grapes and put one on each fang. Hmm. Uh, Kuno says, "Please, please, please, can you add a potion sorting list? How like the like how the equipment page works? As in, can you choose to sort by plus item percent or plus muscle, and it'll rearrange them like that? I know this is probably a boatload of work, but it would be really neato." Because of the crazy way in which effects are implemented on the back end, that would be extremely difficult to do in a way that actually works the way that you would expect it to from the outside. Yeah, so I don't think so. Also, the documentation isn't so great because there's no index slash directory page. It's all in narrative. If you added an option at the bottom that also showed a list of topics, it would be a hundred times better. That way, if somebody wants to know how to get more adventures, they don't have to click three unrelated links to get there. Sure. That's a fair enough criticism. Uh, Lord Bichelot says, are the rewards for being on Challenge Path Leaderboard uh, going to be automated from now on on the 15th, or are they manual? Just wondering if I'll get my button tomorrow the 16th, or if there will be a long wait like bees. Uh, there won't be as long of a wait, but I need to write a different... Uh, we need to write a different thing for it and change the code. Like it, There is a script that's generalized, but we do have to touch it, because doing it automatically would... Yeah, I don't know. It would be more work than it currently is that we'd have to remember to do on time. iClubU says, can you create both the Monday and Thursday threads for a given week at the same time? Sometimes I have a question that's more appropriate for the Thursday show, and I forget to ask it because there's no thread when I think of it. Uh, if there is no thread for a show that you're going to ask questions for, just make one. Uh, there's no... The only reason I've been making them is so that I can leave a note to myself about where I get to in the previous show's thread. Um... So yeah, don't don't feel like you have to wait for me to make the thread. Let's do it. Now, people talking about stuff. Calamus Noman says, Hey guys, I just came back from taking a break from KOL for several years, and I've forgotten enough that I'm having tons of fun going through everything again. You guys have done an incredible job. Keep up the great work. Anyway, you frequently mention how new players may feel the game is dated because of the frames, but I feel like the pop-up item descriptions are much worse in this regard. If anything, they look worse than frames, and if you're like me, you have a lot of items but can't remember what most of them do, it can be a huge hassle to check them all. Is there any chance of getting inline descriptions? I, th I think that it would be harder than you imagine to actually do that in KOL's interface. Because you would have to guarantee that the descriptions didn't pop up. Like, A you would either have to load them in line in Ajax, which I think would cause, um, I think that would feel worse than clicking them for a pop-up. Um, you, you know, you're, you're, you're right. Like, I feel like if we were building it now, we would have done the whole interface in a way that you'd mouse over a thing to read the funny joke about it instead of having to click on it to pop up a window with the funny joke about it in there, right? Um, but having a pop-up appear in a way that didn't block all the functional links on the item, like, that works in a game where you can only perform one action on a given item, and you do so just by clicking on the picture. Like, um, you know, if we move to a completely new inventory where it was just icons, and it was almost impossible to tell anything apart because you have a million of them, then then that would make a lot more sense. And if, if your inventory was more finite, it would be a lot less of a big deal for every inventory page load to contain every item description. Right. Um, but, yeah. See, when he said that, I imagined instead of, an, like, a physical pop-up, you would get the, 
weird thing that everybody does now that kind of pops up a little free-floating window inside the page and oh, yeah. has a little X on it and does the exact same thing as a pop-up, only makes it so you can't get at the rest of the page's content in a reasonable fashion. And Yeah, I would be opposed to that. Um, you know what would work, um, though, uh, is I, I liked... I both liked and disliked the way that Metroplexity handled this. When you clicked on an item in Metroplexity, it popped up a description over on the right where the chat would be in KOL. Hmm. Um, I don't remember what... I don't remember ever actually participating in the chat in Metroplexity if there is a chat. There's got to be a chat in Metroplexity. I don't know why. Yeah, there definitely is. I do remember participating in the chat. Maybe. I don't remember if I remember participating in the chat or not. But, I mean, I guess if you could imagine, like, let's say that there was a section at the top of the chat pane where when you clicked on an item, it just popped a description in there. And if you clicked on another one, it replaced the one that you were just looking at with. I could I could see doing that. I would probably switch to that if that model were available. Hmm. It just Ajax something in in the same browser window that you were in. Because the only disadvantage becomes then, like, because you say you got to close it to read chat, but you got to tab back over to the window that's not the pop-up window or close that one to do whatever you're going to do anyway. Um, Not being able to pop up two item descriptions and look at them side by side, which I guess is a thing people do for, like, the cave puzzle thing. Uh... Derp says, adding and taking items from my closet has a very nice interface. Do you think you can do the same format with display cases? That's a thing that someday when one of us gets a wild hair up his ass to do some interface work um, or to tell someone to do some interface work, could use some love because people always people always want the display case to work better. Except it's pretty antiquated. Uh, and people talking about the sea and plains icons being very similar, and like, yeah, I should figure something out about that. I guess I could put a little beach on one side of the sea one, mm-hmm. and a little uh, clown, a tiny clown head on the plains one. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got through that forum thread, buddy. Now what are we going to do? We're going to spend Hell, I don't five know. minutes talking about our butts. Okay. Um, sometimes I get a real painful pimple on mine, buddy. That's not very fun at all. Only the one? Only one pimple, though? Yeah, it's usually one big pimple instead of a whole bunch of little pimples. That's the size of your entire butt? Seems like it. That's mm. how it feels when you sit down and it's like, Ow! My entire butt-sized pain. My entire butt-sized pain. You can quote us on that. Fred Fred Levi actually wrote into the Twitter, Oh no, I meant to finish Bees Hate You and try uh, only the way of the surprising fist uh, before you invented a new path. Where does time go? Well, you probably won't like this path, so uh, you can still do Way of the Surprising Fist. The goal of this path is to really make you re-examine your conceptions of what a challenge path can be. Yeah, in terms of, like, fun and being interesting. In terms of how little it can be and still be something that we insist is a challenge path. 
Yep, yep, yep. Uh, do we actually have to fill up more time with butts talk, or are we close enough to the end that we can just go? And you can fill it out with your butt stalk. Uh, I'm gonna go stalk some butts, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Good night, everybody. Do you want to say good night, everybody? Or uh... oh, good night, good night, everybody. Yes, yes, I do. Good night, everybody. I thought you might.